episode 40, Patrick and Cyprian speak with Rob Freeman, language and artificial intelligence enthusiast. The team discuss linguistics, machine learning, and defining grammar across all languages from first principles. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Hey, Cyprian, how you doing? Hi, Patrick. Very well. Ready for another great episode of Entangled Things. I think uh, we're going to have, have exactly that today. We're joined by Rob. Rob, do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Okay, so uh, my name is Rob Freeman. Um, I have uh, an interest in uh, language, uh, uh, initially, primarily, primarily uh, linguistics, and then from that, uh, leading on to uh, artificial intelligence and this, uh, a somewhat uh, unique perspective on uh, that, that whole area, I think. We're very interested in that perspective. Um, we've recently talked to a few people who have sh- shown us that there is a link between quantum and and linguistics. And uh, is that a burgeoning field that we just didn't know about until recently? Uh, not at all. Unfortunately, um, I mean, uh, burgeoning is relative. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm on uh, the, the podcast now because uh, I heard uh, an interview you, you had with uh, Bob uh, Koch um, Exactly. Uh, I don't know exactly when it uh, broadcast. Um, and uh, just so happens that uh, I think he's one of the very few people who's uh, looking at that, that, that aspect of the problem. Um, and um, uh, so, I, I mean, I, I like that very much, um, I, I, though I have a slightly different uh, perspective to him. But um, no, I think that it's, it's actually an, uh, very much an ignored area um, of, of AI. And it's one I'm, I'm trying to draw attention to uh, from from all aspects, and you know, in particular, my my own uh, uh, perspective, which um, uh, possibly is unique. Uh, that sounds interesting. So, uh, AI is definitely in Cyprian's wheelhouse as well. It's something I know about tangentially. But but how does your what's the flavor of what you're thinking? Well, um, that uh, firstly, uh, intelligence. Uh, so, artificial intelligence, but intelligence has a. Uh, uh, a quantum aspect to it. Um, so, I mean, uh, I'll give a bit of history. Um, so, I, I first came to this. I was working uh, worked in machine translation uh, early in the nineties. Uh, I was working in Japan on uh, machine uh, translation companies, um, and then uh, subsequently uh, at, at Fujitsu, actually in, in Japan. Um, and then subsequently, I was working on a um, project uh, to for the characterization of uh, of, of grammar in um, in Hong Kong. Um, and um, it, I mean, so I, I sort of stumbled into the field of, of machine learning uh, back back in the nineties. So I was trying to trying to find the grammar from first principles. Um, and so what what I found was that um, you, you could you could learn the grammar, but it had a, a kind of a, um, uh, a contradictory character, and and it was actually uh, having a like a undergraduate degree background in, in physics. Um, it had uh, uh, it, it, it felt very much like a, a kind of a, an uncertainty principle, actually, of grammar is the way I the way I saw it. Um, and um, so, yeah. So I mean, I, I sort of stumbled onto this uh, this this idea that um, there, there was a uh, uh, something like a, a quantum character to um, 
to, to grammar, in fact, to, to language uh, to very, uh, very early on. Regardless of the language, uh, for all languages that you've looked at? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it just comes from like, so all languages have grammar, right? So, I mean, it's been a basic problem. And this, this is what I, what I found uh, in um, working on machine uh, translation in Japan uh, as well, that, um, I mean, like the project I worked on in Japan, this was a fifth generation project. So this was going through the 80s. It was a massive project that Japan was going to leapfrog its way uh, ahead of the West and take the lead in uh, in computing and, and the way they were going to do it with was uh, human factors uh, computing and um, so they invested a massive massive amount of uh, money and effort um, in uh, in um, human factors computing uh, at natural language interface and uh, and I sort of I joined that project right at the end um, of that was through the eighties I joined it in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, so it's actually kind of it was a very privileged way to uh, to, to join. I, I got to arrive just at uh, when um, the the effort had been made. I got to see the end result, and the end result was that you you reach a certain. We we would every day we would look at um, the results of the machine translation system. We would edit it, and we would correct the grammar and try and um, and. Uh, <sighs> correct the errors so that the next day you would have fewer and fewer errors. The idea was that you would taper right. off with your errors. But what we found is, in fact, is that you got to a certain point where you would, you would correct the errors and, um, yeah, the next day those would be fixed, but the, there'd be other errors. And then you correct the new errors and then you, you come back to the original errors. So you reach, reach a sort of a certain steady state where um, you, you weren't improving, you were, you, you were tapering off, you were asymptotic, um, and you, you could not capture the last, 10, 20% of the grammar, there was this sort of, once again, this kind of uh, indeterminacy between one way of looking at things and the other way of looking at things. And it wasn't that either one was correct. It was just that they were in... Uh, Neither was a perfect with, with fit, fit. Neither was a perfect fit for the waveform, basically. No, neither was... A, exactly. It was, it was like a, a wave where you could, you could, uh, you could uh, see the... Um, you could measure one thing about the system. You could measure another thing about the system, but you, you couldn't uh, you, you couldn't capture the whole thing uh, at, the, at the same time. Um, so yeah, I I, I saw this uh, this this kind of um, uh, I mean, actually, it was kind of an epiphany for me because I mean, have, uh, having done the undergraduate degree in um, in, in physics, so I'd, and I was I found quantum uh, fascinating, um, and uh, as a um, a very uh, nice perspective of the world, but um, I mean, like most people, I mean, it's the sort of thing which you learn, but you don't really understand. I mean, intuitively, how it's it's just very bizarre that that things behave that way. You you don't understand why they behave that way. But this was a fascinating perspective because I was actually sort of coming at it from the other direction. I was coming at it from underneath. I had the system which was um, well, language. And you can you can um, you can look at you can treat language as a data, and then you do machine learning on it. So you're going to learn the patterns in the language, and but as you learn the patterns, actually you got something like quantum mechanics appearing. So you were coming up, you were coming at, at a sort of a quantum mechanical behavior, but you're coming at it from 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 the bottom. That it, it wasn't something that you were um, you were uh, hypothesizing and then testing. It was something which emerged naturally from the process of of, of uh, trying to learn grammar. So it was actually it was a fascinating perspective because it was like wow. So it's like 
quantum light behavior emerges naturally from assemblies of of um, elements of of um, of data. And I was thinking, well, so I mean, it, it made me think. Well, gee, I thought, well, it's an, you know, why why would I, um, why would I, uh, I have this this perspective? It seemed like uh, a very um, explanatory uh, perspective, and I, I thought, well, it must just be uh, a random. I, I, I can't imagine that has any relevance to, to true physics, but it certainly seemed to have relevance to language and and grammar. So I thought that was it was interesting. Um, and I just thought it was it, it was it felt kind of explanatory to me to me from the perspective of physics, but I uh, I, I didn't really go into that any further. Um, it, Recently, uh, there's been some articles about um, I don't know whether they say there's proof, but there's indications that consciousness is quantum mechanical, and that there's things that we can't explain about the nature of consciousness, and language certainly springs from consciousness. And so maybe you just saw that connection very early. Uh, well, I mean, so for me, the, the first, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I was seeing something happening with with language. I thought that the the, the relevance to to physics um, would be a, a separate issue. I mean, cognition and, and physics was just this chance that they um, they, uh, they they perhaps acted the same. Um, there's, there's two sides to it. What, so there's there's consciousness, but actually in the physics side as well. Um, I, I, I was delighted to find um, uh, a few years later that um, I came across an article in uh, New Scientist uh, by uh, a, a guy named um, uh, Robert Lachlan. And he's a solid-state physicist. And uh, he was talking about a, the, the quantum-like character of uh, superfluids. And... Um, so he was talking about uh, macro quantum. So I mean, and this this was a wonderful uh, vindication for me actually, because he was saying that 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 you can look at actual uh, uh, quantum mechanics as um, as having a, some kind of uh, emergence from assembly uh, perspective uh, as as well. And um, so there's there's that direction. There seems to be. And there's been other vindications of that as well. So that's for the pure physics that there does seem to be some kind of um, emergent assembly aspect to um, to uh, actual subatomic particles to quantum physics. So I don't know if you have you heard of this guy uh, Robert Glock, uh, Robert Lachlan, either you or Cyprian, perhaps. I have not. So, so he yeah, wrote. I've, a, I've read some of yeah. I've, I've read some of his very interesting theories. <laughs> So he, he wrote a book called, uh, which uh, um, his most memorable title anyway is uh, "Reinventing Physics from the Bottom Down." So I mean, it's it's a nice play on words. So he's he's looking, he's <laughs> he's saying that we have to re we have to uh, refocus instead of looking trying to burrow down to uh, greater and greater abstraction, we have to look at the way things um, act together as um, an important quality in. Uh, in science and in physics yeah. in particular. And, and to your point, what, what I find fascinating, like looking in general, right? Quantum computing is a very kind of specific problem of this. But in general, I see this, this huge gap, like between uh, kind of analyzing and trying to understand phenomena at the discrete kind of 
quantum level, like studying the behavior of a photon or uh, uh, the spin of an electron or whatever, right? And then, like, to me, it feels like there's a gap. And then we're getting into the realm of understanding, like, uh, complex structures of matter and, and things like that. There, there seemed to me like a, a hiatus here where we don't really understand how, like, these discrete phenomena, right, the discrete quantum phenomena are essentially kind of building up into the, the more complex one. And, and to me, this is exactly the kind of the equivalent of the big problem that, that fundamental physics has today of reconciling, right, between the, 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 the current uh, kind of uh, uh, standard model in physics and quantum uh, mechanics and gravity, right? Because at the end of the day, right, if you look at gravity, gravity is something that you kind of uh, feel and it, 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 it happens at like macro levels, right? That's, that's fascinating to me. But I love what you, t- what you said about, right, uh, the, the connection of, 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 of quantum and uh, uh, language and, and, and patterns. Because I think there's a very interesting connection at the end of the day in terms of the mathematical models that would describe the results, right? We use a certain mathematical model to describe the world of quantum, and then we use various mathematical models to build and describe like machine learning processes that act on language. I feel like at some point, right, there are synergies between those mathematical models, like, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's different uh, directions you can you can take this, but um, I mean, one one of those directions that occurred it's occurred to me is that you know, people are building these uh, these parallel processing uh, uh, chips uh, now. A lot, a lot of the large companies are starting to explore this. IBM had this chip, this uh, True North uh, chip. They had it. It's like they had it like ten years ago or more, like fifteen years ago. They they built this uh, chip called uh, True North, which was uh, I think it's actually a spiking. Uh, parallel processing chip, um, and they so they had this thing, and they were trying to figure out how to use it. <laughs> no, nobody knew nobody knew how to use it, and, and still nobody really knows how to use it. So, and Intel had, recently also they have uh, this uh, Loihi chip. I don't know if you heard of that one. That's um, it's also a, spi- a massively parallel spiking um, uh, um, processing chip. Um, and so they've, they've got that in, uh, in, in like limited uh, beta with different research institutes. Um, but it's also a question that um, people are, are sure that these, these kinds of chips must have uh, lots of uh, potential, but nobody really knows how to use them anymore. But we're still very much stuck in this whole sort of von Neumann uh, logical uh, way of programming. And we think, gee, this thing must work, but I don't really know how to use it. But I'm sure that we figure out that there might be some use for it. And I mean, it has occurred. So, it has occurred to me that, that, that at, um, because of this, um, this, this connection I see between what I believe is being called uh, macro quantum, actually. So this is quantum behavior at a macro scale. So it's quantum behavior between um, assemblies, like uh, not at the subatomic level, but at, at an assembly level. So and superfluids and superconductors and that sort of mm-hmm. thing is like between uh, yeah. like when you've got very, very low temperatures and you start to get quantum behavior with with uh, between uh, um, uh, vast numbers of electrons rather than sort of within an electron. Um, so this, this uh, quantum-like behavior of assemblies of things might be, it might mean that, that one, one application of, uh, of this, the current work which is happening with quantum computing might be as a, a mathematical formalism 
um, to uh, use um, some of these new uh, macro architectures, some of these new parallel processing architectures like, you know, True North or, um, or uh, Intel Loihi. <coughs> so maths may be the same. Yeah, so, yeah so, so, sorry, Patrick, did you want to say something? I, I was just asking, are, are we thinking that this is optimization and you'll give the, the system, I mean, uh, as with most things, most of the, the language processing, if we try to put this into an application, would be classical compute. You'd take in the data, you'd, you'd parse the data, but then you might get a, a series of five words that has an idiom to it and that may have multiple meanings. And maybe you'd put it into a system to, to read its Hamiltonian, or you'd put it into a system to figure out its lowest energy state to figure out what its most likely meaning is. It's, is it that kind of application, or are you thinking in a more holistic way? I was thinking more generally, actually, um, that, uh, um, that problems which are currently um, uh, solved using quantum computing might be also solved with quantum computing, but it could be done at a macro scale so that you could, you could do your quantum computing but do it on top of a massively parallel um, processor where the quantum behavior would be, you would actually be have the quantum behavior emerging from um, the, the, uh, the, um, the distri this distribu distribution of, um, of, uh, of processes on the chip. Um, but you would be corralling, you would be um, um, uh, guiding that, that processing as uh, quantum computing is done today, um, so it would be quantum computing, but it would be macro uh, quantum computing hmm. for for lang And I don't know how that would happen because actually I'm not I'm not I'm not an expert on uh, how quantum computing uh, itself works. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm only I only see this this parallel between uh, what emerges from um, hmm. machine learning of uh, of, of large uh, assemblies of, of data and language in particular. For as as to how it would happen with with language. Um, I mean, there's also um, uh, you can also apply um, um, uh, the, uh, the the quantum abstractions to the language problem, and that and that, as I understand it, is what uh, Bob Koch is doing, for instance. So he's yeah. he's analyzing language using uh, quantum abstractions. So he he has uh, different, I think, what uh, gates and uh, and uh, different mm -hmm. um, uh, abstractions for for grammar. And he's um, analyzing it uh, top top down in that way. Um, for language specifically, I have a, I have a very particular um, uh, interpretation of um, of how I think that uh, processing uh, should be applied, um, and that comes uh, from this this perspective that that that, I, that I've had that, that the whole thing emerges simply from trying to do machine learning of of grammar. Um, and, and the way you do that, the way you do machine learning of grammar is that you, um, you uh, look at distributions of, uh, of word sequences. Um, and uh, if a, a word uh, has um, associates in a, with, a, you get a, a, like a vector or a distribution of, of context, and then you find that uh, those different words have uh, similar vectors, you can cluster those, and then you can, uh, spec, you can hypothesize that's a, a, a grammatical category. Um, and, uh, and you can, and, and that's, and that's your grammar. Um, 
for I, I but uh, so from my my but my particular uh, perspective on that is that because the, those categories are actually have a kind of a quantum a quantum quality, you can never get uh, uh, a single category. You always have sometimes it acts in like one category, and then you you collect its uh, its uh, its, it's uh, probabilistic behavior. It, it's it is probabilistic, but it's more than it's actually. Um, uh, I mean, it's. It's fuzzy. The way I see it, the way I always, I've always explained it was: it's, imagine you've got a, a, a group of people. I mean, that, this is what you have with language. You have language. You have a big, like, um, uh, bunch of uh, sentences, uh, words, and word sequences. Um, but you, you imagine this like a, a, a group of people, and people have uh, different attributes. You can take their height, perhaps, or, and their, say their IQ. Okay. So now, what do you you want to order this group of people? So you say, okay, we'll order them. We'll order them according to their IQ, right? So you've got uh, going from you know whatever seventy up to one hundred and forty, whatever ninety, one hundred, two hundred twenty. But their height is going to be completely mixed up, right? It's the primary it, key thing. Sorry, it's like it's uh, in in data science. There's the primary key. You can only order, physically order data in one way because the odds of exactly. two things lining up is 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 nil. Exactly, and and similarly, if you say okay, we'll order them according to height, then their the IQs are going to be completely mixed as well. So you can never order something in in every way at once. So if if grammar is um, if grammar behaves like that, then the only way you're going to be able to get uh, the, the complete grammatical information is that you have to be able to uh, order um, on, on the fly. You have to be able to do it dynamically. You have to actually sort of collapse the data. It's, I mean, it's, if you think of the data as a kind of a wave function, you have to collapse the data either in terms of IQ or in terms of height. You can't do both at once. So I'm so, going to – data scientists, please speak. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I think that's that's a kind of like a very interesting view in a sense that what you're really saying here is that you look at let's say language, you look at grammar, and there are there are possibilities of having simultaneously like multiple interpretations of what's there, like multiple multiple models, and uh, that that to me sounds like very very interesting. And I would just like to to take 30 seconds for our listeners who are not really into like machine learning and language and just highlight the fact that the way to do we do language processing today is we essentially take natural language, we transform it into a mathematical model, which is a fancy name for a bunch of numbers, like lots and lots of numbers and, and, and vectors. And then Machine learning operates on 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 top of, of of those, right? And the kind of the name of the game is how do you learn those vectors? How do you kind of uh, do this? What we call word embedding and sentence embedding and 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 everything that derives from 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 that, right? So this is where we are today. And while I think that that natural language processing has some remarkable results, I think we're still very very far from completely cracking the problem of language because when we get into kind of meaning, nuances, interpretations, things like that, we're still quite far from, from, from kind of having like a compelling solution or approach, or for that matter, a single clear strategy to deal with that. 
Absolutely. I mean, the the big um, success of the last uh, five years has been uh, the uh, was the uh, GPT series from uh, OpenAI with these transformers, and um, they've done uh, amazing, ast- astonishing things um, with uh, very human-like uh, sequences of, or, uh, apparently, very human-like sequences of, of words which they produce they produce from these uh, these numerical models, and um, I mean, uh, famously, I mean, you, 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 I'm, I'm sure you know they uh, they they learn the the, the structural parameters um, of of a language, um, and they've gone as I think as far as the, the GPT three learned 175 billion, <laughs> 175 yeah. billion grammatical relevant grammatical. And there's, parameters. there's already word about moving towards the trillion barrier, so. Well, well, Jeff Hinton uh, joked at the time when GPT-3 came out. He said, look, you know, okay, so you've got 175 billion. Where's it going to stop? He said, I, I, I expect that the, uh, the final answer, he said, would be uh, 2 to the power of 42. Because <laughs> 40, 42 And I would be, highlight 42 out of that. <laughs> 42 must be the answer. So he's like, you know, okay, well, 175 billion is not enough. You know, where's it going to stop? So, I mean, for me, the, what it's saying is that you, you, I mean, this is grammar. You're learning grammar and you're getting how many parameters you're going to have. Um, and, um, I mean, they spent 12, and 175 billion, it cost them $12 million in processing time to generate them all, right? I mean, it's like they're burning a hole in the planet to, to, to generate all these damn things because there's so many of them. And, um, and it, it's a major barrier for anybody else to get involved. I mean, nobody, no, nobody can compete with these major corporations because nobody's got twelve million dollars. Nobody's got twelve million dollars to train the model, even if you release the the source code. You know, I mean, who's going to spend the the money to? Um, so, um, and yeah, so this is the way this is the way uh, modern language processing has been is being done, and it's exactly the same as the sort of stuff I was trying to do in in the nineties. I didn't have, I didn't have the. Com- I didn't have the, the, the you know the sort of uh, the the supercomputing capacity or the or the millions of dollars to um, to find them all, um, but we were also trying to find the grammar and and um, I mean I think what they're doing with these with these uh, these systems like GPT three is I mean yeah 175 grammatical parameters you can I, I think you can go on to infinity I mean I, um, because it's it's all just different orderings of the data. It's it's different orderings of the data, and um, uh, um, I think actually uh, the, the way the orderings go is that you can essentially generate uh, an, an infinite number. Uh, the other thing about um, what like these transformers do is that they they generate billions of parameters, but um, they don't uh, reveal any structure. There's actually, and and this is why they um, have great difficulties with with meaning because they they produce plausible sequences of words, but they don't they don't actually reveal what the uh, the, the structures are which are leading to these uh, these uh, plausible uh, sequences of words, um, and that's that's the the missing uh, link uh, for um, meaning uh, as as uh, far as I'm concerned that. Um, uh, they're not. Um, they're not giving you the structure, and I think the reason that they're not giving, they're, they're not revealing the structure, is because you've got this, this, um, uh, this tension between different structures. You you cannot learn. You cannot. You can't. They they can't. Um, they're trying to learn the structures, but they can't learn them because there's multiple ways of doing it. 
you, you know what I what I like to say about deep learning. I've I've been working for quite some time now with it. If usually people ask me like, "Wow, deep learning is so powerful," right? And uh, sometimes people ask me like, "What do you think are the weaknesses or the weakness of deep learning?" Right? Which, by the way, deep learning is one of the paradigms that we use. In, it's actually used by by GPT three to, to to train those models, right? One of the big problems and drawbacks of deep learning is that it has absolutely no capabilities of superposition, right? <laughs> which which is kind of like right um, uh, one of the things that that because. At the end of the day, no matter how large, no matter how big the neural network is, right? At the end of the day, the whole process is fairly deterministic. It will learn at the end of the day a function, a super complex function, unbelievably complex function with potentially trillions of parameters, right? But that particular function has absolutely no ways of kind of, let's say, living in alternate worlds. And by the no way, one of the, things that, one of the things that people ask me uh, about, they, they hear, they look at the news and things like that, right? They're like, wow, Cyprian, we saw this GPT, whatever, open AI stuff, and we heard Elon Musk saying that singularity is coming upon us, and wow, like, what, what, is, what is happening? Did we crack the human brain, right? And then I, I, I always kind of try to, to make this parallel between what we have today and the human brain, like, yeah, the, we used to think the human brain has 100 billion neurons. Now we're kind of more down to 86 billion. That's the kind of like the common knowledge right now with probably close to uh, uh, maybe uh, several hundred trillion connections between, between, between them. But even if we get with neural networks to that complexity, there's one thing for me that keeps us kind of like very, very far from, from, from getting there is the connections themselves in, in in machine learning in deep learning neural networks those can those connections are essentially real numbers right in the real world those connections are chemical processes that at the end of the day are governed by the laws of quantum physics so there is the distinction between having a connection described by a single number and a connection described by a complex quantum process of, of, of chemistry and, and kind of fundamental physical interactions, which is why I believe, including with language, which by the way, for language, we use a very, not a very, a limited portion of our brain of those 86 billion neurons, right? But still, we are very far from, from being able to, let's say, duplicate what's happening inside our brains. So I, I mean, we're far from being able to duplicate it. But you know, for me, actually, the the, the micro um, qual uh, quality of the neurons is not. I, I mean, I think sure, there's something that it's we need to learn more about that. But for me, what is still interest? What is interesting for me is is just the connectivity because I think even the connectivity, we really don't grasp what the potential of the of the connectivity is. Um, one one um, thing which I always like to bring up in the in the whole sort of uh, deep learning uh, context is um, why is is the question why has deep learning um, uh, dominated? Uh, why is it um, um, supplanted the uh, the sort of I mean so AI in the um, earlier on there was uh, the, the the symbolic AI and then in the nineties uh, symbolic certainly for for language it was uh, symbolic grammars 
and then that was supplanted by statistical AI. Um, and so it's like, I mean, I don't see it being addressed. I don't see people addressing why deep learning works. It's like it's this wonderful thing. It's this that uh, this black box <laughs> that you apply the problem. Um, but nobody, uh, I don't see good answers from people as to as to why it's better than uh, than um, logic and uh, symbolism. I mean, I have an answer, but uh, I mean, I don't see that answer being. Uh, um, I don't see people addressing that uh, question uh, elsewhere. I mean, we're, it's, it's very interesting, right? Uh, in, in a sense, it's, it's like very similar to what happens in quantum, right? We, we understand some of the consequences, like right? we understand, for instance, how does entanglement look, but we have absolutely no idea at this moment why entanglement works the way it works, right? There's where we're like very far from an explanation. It's pretty much the same with, with neural networks, right? You see them work, but if I go into the, let's say, the GPT-3 model, I take one of those 175 billion parameters and I change it, and then I challenge anyone to explain or to calculate or to evaluate in an a priori mode the impact of that change, right? It's, it's virtually impossible at this point. <laughs> I, I think the the secret of of why deep learning has uh, has has dominated um, um, uh, symbolic uh, approaches is that um, it, it's because it, it is less structured. So we're we're seeing uh, that these these networks right. they have they have different ways of uh, Im implicitly or sort of they have a de facto different ways of of organizing the information. But it's it's uh, hidden from us. We're still trying to we're we're trying to use them to learn things, but um, actually we're sort of. I mean, I see the move from symbolic to probabilities to uh, to deep learning as being a, a, a process of of moving towards learning less. We've been so. Um, it's the different ways that the elements can be combined together in uh, in, uh, in 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 deep learning are um, are much uh, are, are greater than um, there were in in uh, symbolic systems. So the the I see it as being all it's it's about these I find different ways of of or ordering data that we've actually been moving towards a less ordering of data. And um, the the less we order the data, the the um, the more results we get. I'll take a, a uh, uh, an analogy. Why has um, uh, why did Google de dominate uh, Yahoo as a as a search engine? So you know, in the '90s, we had the different search engines, and Yahoo was uh, yet another hierarchical uh, uh, ordering oracle or something like that, and they had a uh, they um, attempted to make a directory of the internet and they were going to have uh, hierarchies of categories of things and you would find it by yeah. going through this, this directory. But the, the one which succeeded was actually uh, Google, which is uh, indexed search. And so, I mean, what's indexed search? Indexed search is actually a sort of an ad hoc ordering of, um, of data. There is, no, there is no fixed order in uh, indexed search. Everything is, is, uh, is done ad hoc. And I think that um, that is telling us that actually there are, there are no single ways of ordering the world, that we have to embrace this idea 
that um, there are multiple ways of uh, ordering the world. And I think what GPT is finding with all these parameters is it's just trying to list an infinity. It's, I mean, if there's an infinite way, a number of ways of uh, ordering the world, then, um, you know, 175 billion is, is one step on the way to, uh, to that infinite ways of ordering. It relates to quantum in the sense that, so quantum is also uh, says that there is no single way of ordering the world. It says that there's always going to be a, ten- a tension between different perspectives and that you need the observer to uh, collapse uh, um, the wave function in one way or another, depending on the, uh, the context and the observation. But um, to, to, if you want to have a, a complete ordering, then it's always going to be uh, a, a distribution or a tension between, um, between different orderings. So I, I think, I said, I think, that, that, I, I think that quantum today, at least whatever we understand out of quantum, right, is kind of capable of managing in a hidden way for now to us, right, multiple orderings or multiple states at the same time, right? And exactly. I, I think that's that's why <laughs> uh, that's why quantum kind of is, is so promising, uh, provided that we will be able to properly tap into that that hidden complexity, right? Because so one this, of the things that we're constantly kind of reminding to <laughs> our listeners is that as of today, that fabulous complexity, right, collapses to some very simplistic values as soon as you attempt to to measure it, <laughs> which is kind of like the way Mother Nature seems to uh, <laughs> protect its powers from us. I think I think this is it. I think that this is a, a fundamental insight about the world is that we've got to uh, get a greater appreciation for the importance of being able to order things in different ways. Hmm. And that's relevant for quantum. And it's also relevant for um, learning grammar. And so when you try and learn grammar, you get a sort of a macro quantum because you've got to take into account this 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 possibility to order things in different ways. And I think that ordering things in different ways is still being ignored in um, machine learning and um, and uh, and and um, artificial intelligence. We we still are not. Um, uh, really addressing this whole uh, ability to order things in different ways. I think that that uh, deep learning has succeeded over the prior symbolic processing because implicitly in a deep network, you, you, you still leave a certain ability to order things in different ways. We don't know that's why it works. We just know that you, you throw this black box at the thing and you get better results out of it. I think so- the reason it's working is because the ordering into things in different ways. So you just reminded me of something that one of my uh, mentors in business has had, had always told me. He says that most people never look for an alternative solution once they found one, because they're just so happy to have found one. And (laughs) yeah, well, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe maybe the application here is right now we have machine learning and we come up with an answer and we, we desperately want that to be the answer. But maybe like the lessons of quantum, we have to try multiple times and then come up with a probabilistic answer of what the most likely answer would be. Yes. And look, the beauty of doing it at a macro, a macro uh, uh, level, so this, mac- this whole macro quantum idea, is that actually you don't have to guess. You, you, 
the, the system is probabilistic in the sense that you can't say that it's one way or the other because there's multiple ways of ordering. But with a macro quantum system like language, you have access to uh, all the parameters. You have access to the, the, the data. So you can order it in the way which makes mo- which is most relevant to whatever problem you have. So you, Context. you, can, you can, it is actually a deterministic system. Well, we're starting to run low on time, though not on topic. Yeah. Uh, so I will ask that you and Cyprian uh, make sure we round out this conversation so we don't leave anybody hanging. What what would we want to leave in the last few minutes? I, I would definitely like to put like because this this conversation has has gone like like in a very nice way from my point of view back and forth between between quantum and machine learning in general and deep learning in 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 in, in special. Uh, in particular, so I would like to ask you, like, like, do do you see a possible kind of convergence at some point, or a possible, let's say, uh, uh, greater synergy between machine learning and deep learning, in particular, and 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 quantum? Because as of today, we know that one of the big problems that prevents us even thinking about this, right, is the fact that that the current paradigms of quantum computing are not very friendly when it comes to even the s- small amounts of data, not to mention like huge amounts of data, the ones that are typically involved in, in, in deep learning workloads. So where do you see this kind of um, going? Or if you don't want to say to, to do like a, a, <laughs> a bat in, on the future, uh, tell us where do you want this to go? <laughs> or what are your hopes for for? I, I think I, I think there's a tremendous and a extremely easy uh, synergy. I think that the problem with uh, with uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence at the moment is that it does not uh, take into account this 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 possibility of uh, ordering things in different ways. And all we have to do is to imagine that the data might be better ordered in in different ways that there might be this sort of quantum tension between different orderings so that we cannot find a perfect ordering and we have to let the system order itself in the way which is appropriate to the problem at the time you have the problem. And then I think that there will be a uh, a solution to um, the problems that we have with uh, artificial intelligence at the moment and it will be a uh, quantum solution um, and um, it will also solve the problems of, uh, of, 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 of structure because it will be a deterministic system. Um, it, it, and we can, we can get this deterministic system simply by um, forgetting the idea that we might find a single complete ordering and trying to list billions and billions of, uh, of, uh, of global uh, uh, orderings. And simply, uh, so we, all we have to do to solve the problems, I believe, in artificial intelligence now, in machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence as machine learning from data, is to accept that there could be multiple orderings in a quantum-like way. And that could also be a, um, a, uh, a I mean, it would, could, it would be a, a quantum solution in the mathematical sense because the it would have a top-down description in terms uh, which would be quantum, um, and it might also uh, imply uh, some kind of uh, application for uh, quantum computing. 
um, done at a at a macro scale on uh, on on parallel processes. Measure twice, cut once. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old measure an, old... an infinite amount of times, Patrick. Cut once. <laughs> <laughs> measure as many times well, as you can. Measure, measure, and and for me, it's it's cut at the at the time. Uh, cut the cut cut the way you want to at the at the time you need the uh, the answer. Because I think that there's no yeah. there's no single answer. That um, if we simply accept that there's no single answer for these machine learning problems. And that we have to, um, and we have to uh, allow. We have to accept that the system has multiple orderings, and there's a, a quantum-like tension between different orderings. Um, well, we, I think that we can get structure and solve AI. The anal- I love analogies. That's that's my whole thing. But it sounds like, like for example, if if I was doing negotiations uh, with a head of state from another country that I didn't speak the language and I have no basis for the language. Uh, not that that cut is struck from the headlines right now. Um, the I wouldn't rely on a single translator, no matter how reliable that translator were. I might have four of them. I might have five of them. And then I would come up with, okay, because each person would translate, they would have a different order, like you say, in their mind. And then I would get treason. a consensus. And that consensus would always be better than relying on a single a single ordering, as you would say. Would it? Do you think it would be there? I'm not sure. I mean, I think that possibly um, it's like uh, saying uh, make uh, good poetry by having a committee, uh, you know, vote on the. Uh, <laughs> well, I, actually, I thought I was edit. supporting your assertion. I thought that I thought my analogy supported your thir- assertion that you should try different orderings because no, each person would have a different perspective on what was being said. It, it's it's not a consensus. It's a um, it's a subjective take. So every person will have a different uh, a different uh, take on it, and all of the takes will be true. But we need to have the um, we need to have the data, and we have to allow it to be ordered in the different ways in order to get all the different perspectives. There's no single perspective. If you if you try a single perspective, then you get uh, you get a wave function, which is probabilistic, not hmm. deterministic, so, not precise. So maybe a better analogy is have somebody listen to the words, somebody look at the uh, body language, someone else look at the the, the, the setting they picked. You're, you're looking at different, different reads. I'm trying to get an analogy that our audience can buy into so they understand what, what we're trying to espouse as far as what's a better approach. And I thought I had it, but maybe I don't. It's... Uh... You, that we need to um, we need to uh, be able to uh, order things um, in the way that makes sense. Um, understanding there's multiple problem. ways to order them. There's multiple. Just understand there's multiple ways to order things. Yeah, because I mean, look, every the everything in machine learning is trying to learn. It's trying to learn a single abstraction which will capture all of the relevant information. It assumes that there is such an abstraction. It, oh. it assumes that there are a, a fixed number of parameters which will parameterize all of the meaning in the world, right? Whether it's 175 billion or uh, four to the power, uh, two to the power of 42. But maybe there are um, multiple ways of uh, ordering. I mean, actually, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it gives you all sorts of, uh, all sorts of um, interesting um, uh, uh, possible solutions to other problems in, in, um, in uh, artificial intelligence. For instance, if you can order things in, in multiple ways, you have a single system which can be ordered twice, right? 
And then say mm-hmm. each of those uh, orders can be uh, can be perhaps ordered in a different way too. You've got a system which which actually grows in complexity. It's it's it becomes larger than itself. And and so I mean, so a system which becomes larger than itself. Well, I mean that's the sort of thing you're probably going to need if you're ever going to have a theory of consciousness. Mm. Or if you're going to have a theory of creativity, you need to have something which can get bigger, right? I mean, it's otherwise what creativity is like. Uh, Somebody wrote a science fiction story once about uh, when uh, all the stories had been written. <laughs> it wasn't possible <laughs> to write a new story because they'd all been written already, right? <laughs> but we're coming yeah. up on that. I think Netflix has that problem. If, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so we're hitting some deep stuff, and I think we're out of time for real this time. It's been wonderful talking to you. Um, I, we, I know we could talk about this for another six hours, but let's not try right now. Um, but is there anything else, last words, anything works that you've you've read or, or you want to point people to? Well, I mean, look, I mean, uh, like a big motivation for me is that, uh, you know, we're, we're, it, we're sort of uh, taking different uh, um, uh, limbs, uh, different parts of the elephant and uh, trying to trying to get a hold. But I have I have a particular a particular experiment, um, which I, I'm, I'm very keen to um, uh, to try. And that is uh, a structuring language. Um, uh, in in this um, uh, context uh, dependent way, so this multiple orderings way, um, and uh, I would uh, I would like to uh, try I would like to try that experiment, but I need uh, I need access to uh, parallel hardware. So if if somebody wants to uh, experiment with uh, um, a, a different approach to uh, ordering language, uh, one which will uh, simply change the the current paradigm from um, uh, deep learning to um, actually uh, dynamic ordering. Then uh, I, w- I want to uh, I want to try the experiment. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, um, love to uh, see that happen. That'd be interesting. Get, get in touch with me, and uh, we'll try the experiment. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope I hope somebody reaches out to you on this, and if they do, they can go through us for it. Uh, but we're out of time. Thanks again for talking to us. Thanks. Been, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure. It's been, been fun talking to you guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.